You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is December 2nd, 2021, and on today's show, we are sadly locked out. We are now the Locked Out Nationals podcast. We'll discuss the Major League lockout happening now, get you everything you need to know about it, and also a piece of Nationals news as well. Nationals have made a signing of Cesar Hernandez. We'll discuss that, where he might fit in. With next year's Nationals, we'll have that and more on today's show. All right, so the Major League Baseball lockout is upon us. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast, and we're going to discuss the situation at hand right now. I know nobody's really too thrilled about it, but it is the reality we are in right now especially after Major League Free Agency was heating up. Now, this was a big reason Major League Free Agency was heating up. It's a, you know, I really did not expect this many big-level guys to sign, but there are so many important players who I think wanted to know where they and their families were going to be stationed, where they're going to be positioned uh, moving forward. And so a lot of teams got their business done. A lot of, a lot of players got their business done as well. As that lockout drew near, uh, nearer and nearer, I should say. So I'm going to read from the article from Dane Perry, CBS Sports. They do a great job over there at CBS of covering Major League Baseball, though they don't have any games on. They still do an excellent job with their coverage of Major League Baseball. So here's what they say: the collecting bargaining agreement at 11:59 on Wednesday, negotiation that uh, governs almost every aspect of the working relationship. Uh, between baseball, the players, the owners. It expired at 11.59 on Wednesday night. Less than two hours prior to that deadline, however, owners voted unanimously to force a work stoppage on Thursday. They did so in the form of a lockout. As such, baseball will endure a work stoppage for the first time since the players' strike in 1994-1995. Speaking of which... You may uh, right now be wondering about what a lockout is, how it works, what the point of it is, and what it means for the sport. So this is their explanation. Every once again, I, I, I encourage you guys to go read from Dane Perry at CBS Sports. But he explains what a lockout is, and he says, "quote There, in essence, are two kinds of labor stoppages. A strike is when the labor side, the uh, players as represented by their union, in this instance, puts a halt to operations." All right, so that is, um, you know, that, that's, that's the one we had in 94, 95. A lockout is when management side, the owners in this instance, initiate the stoppage. In plain spoken terms, a strike is a refusal to work, and a lockout is a refusal to permit work to be done. So in this situation right here, this is Major League Baseball saying that there is going to be a lockout. Uh, Dane says here, quote, a lockout means the sport is on hold across all fronts uh, until further notice. And further notice in this instance means a new CBA has been basically agreed to in principle. Now, um, so that you know, that's, that's part one of all of this, right? We are at a work stoppage. 
And the work stoppage is currently happening because the owners and players cannot come to a deal, but the owners in this situation have decided to say, yes, we are giving the thumbs up on a lockout. Now, the next question is, why is this lockout occurring? And um, the situation here is that there's a lot of things on the table right now being negotiated. Dane says, quote, owners, however, don't want the players to gain leverage, so a lockout well in advance of spring training is in some ways a preemptive measure on the part of the owners and Commissioner Rob Manfred, whose job is basically to do the bidding of the team owners. The aim is to not only uh, is not only to accelerate the pace of CBA negotiations, but also to make it more likely that the players will bend to the owners' will on multiple fronts. Above all, this is an attempt by teams to put pressure on the union to agree to the owner's suite of proposals for the next CBA. Further, the teams hope that bringing the game to a halt with some unsigned players still out there will undermine union solidarity as the lockout drags on. So that kind of goes back to something that we were talking about as the show began, right? The idea that, hey, a lot of these guys wanted to get their business done. Also, these guys getting their business done, some of them, it makes them less eager, you know, to say, yeah, you know, we don't have to come back to the table. You know, we don't have to bend to the owner's will. Now there are a lot of guys out there who are still unsigned and want to be signed. But, you know, with certain players, a lot of demand out there. And I don't know necessarily that demand for most of these players is going to change whether or not, uh, you know, lockout or no lockout, I don't think demand's going to change too much. And I guess that's something I might have under-calculated, I guess you could say, before we hit this point. I really did think we were going to go into there, into the lockout, and a lot of guys unsigned. That has not been the case. Uh, Low-level, even high-level guys, a lot of high-level guys have signed. Your Corey Seegers, your Max Scherzers, your Marcus Simeons, uh, your Kevin Gosmans. A lot of these guys are signing right now, and I didn't necessarily believe that they would. Now your Cesar Hernandez is, you know, those guys are signing as well, two lower-level guys. A lot of these guys are getting those deals done. So I think we're gonna we might see a bit more solidarity than expected on that front. The next thing Dane discusses is how long will this lockout last? Um he says, this is unknowable. It's an entirely fluid situation. Manfred in the Thursday morning press conference expect optimism about the 2022 regular season start time. So I, I think there are a lot of people, and myself included, who thinks that we were going to get to a work stoppage. We're not going to miss games. That's my belief. That is how I see it. I know there are people who see it a different way. But it is my opinion that I think we're going to have some resolution. And I don't think we're at a spot right now where uh, we're going to be seeing a whole lot of uh, missing games. Um, I don't think that's what we're going to be. It's what we're going to be see, uh, seeing right now. But um, yeah, this is you know this is obviously the situation people people want to see uh, at this moment. But I think we're going to see games. I think everything starts on time. I'm not too worried about that. More on the what are they fighting over spot. He says, quote, from the player's standpoint, they'd like to address their shrinking share of those league revenues, indicated in part by the declining average player salary. The occasional practice of service time manipulation, i.e. when the teams 
hold back a clearly ready prospect in order to delay his free agency and arbitration eligibility for a full year and the quote-unquote tanking problem, among other matters. Teams have increasingly trended younger in their roster construction, and the union will be fighting to get those younger players paid more in line with their on-field value while also seeking incentives to make teams more competitive with one another. The owners, in the meantime, will likely be looking to maintain the status quo since the expiring CBA largely worked out on their be- to their benefit. In the end, yes, to fight over money, which, to be fair, is a very good reason to fight. Um, so I believe Dane's correct on these things. Let's let's talk about this stuff and break it down. So um, the NBA, and I've said this before, the NBA has a really good players association. The average NBA salary, let's check this, uh, let's check this out right now. So the average NBA salary is $7.9 million. Actually, it's projected that the projection this year was seven, uh, it was 8.25, but last year it was $7.9 million. Let's see the average um, MLB salary. Let's check that out right now. The average, so according to recent data, MLB players earn an average income of $4.17 million. However, the median income of $1.1 million paints a different picture. So, uh, you know, the one thing you have to understand is NBA has a salary cap. So it's not just the big numbers spiking that number up there. Baseball it is, $4.17 million might seem like a nice average to a lot of people. It is a nice average. But the median, the most, obviously the one thing that they're seeing, uh, you know, kind of that that middle value of $1.1 million, it does kind of paint that different picture that we're talking about right now. All right, quick break. We'll get back to more about this CBA. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's show was brought to you by our friends, from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the best place to find all of your sports action needs, from player props to contests, boxing, basketball, NHL, football, UFC, Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers for the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022. Go check out BetOnline. They've got a new uh, sexy interface that you guys can use. It looks nice, it looks clean, it looks sleek. You can find it on your phone, on your tablet, whatever you want to use, your computer as well. BetOnline.ag. Use that promo code locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N locked on. You'll receive a 50% deposit bonus today at BetOnline. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, so let's kind of get back to the CBA stuff, the things that, that, that they're uh, they're fighting over. So, yeah, so you're seeing those teams trend young, and that's why the league wants to say, okay, no more of this, you guys setting the clock and, and trying to stash a guy that we know is clearly ready. If you're ready, you should be playing. You should be paid like you are a major league player as, a, as opposed to teams. You know, yeah, there is some, some incentive for teams to hold back players that are ready to pay them less. And in my opinion, that's not what the sport of baseball needs. Baseball does not need guys who are clearly capable of playing at the highest level, not playing 
at the highest level. Those guys should be in the game. They should be out there playing. They should be, um, you know, on the field entertaining us. We should be buying their jerseys, being excited for their futures, all of those things. And right now the problem is the league has no incentive to let those guys, you know, get uh, get, the, get that more money, right? Get, get, get more uh, and, and have those arbitration rules kind of change. There's, there's no incentive for them to have this happen. Also, that last thing is the tanking problem. So, look... The, the problem is the Pirates, like, it just does, it seems like the Pirates just, like, never want to be good. The Tigers are now trying to be good, which is what you want to see. But teams need to demonstrate some kind of plan. If you remember the Philadelphia 76ers, they were doing the process. They tanked to get good players. The league did not like it, and they intervened. And I actually thought I kind of messed them up a little bit because what the, the Sixers were doing was working. But that won't work in a sport where there's more guys – in a sport where there's two different sides of things, the pitching side and there is the fielding slash hitting side, with that discrepancy in the kind of players, you know, and having more players, it makes the idea of tanking a whole lot different. But in the NBA, where you might be tanking to get better players, that is not, baseball, you're basically just tanking to take the money and run, right? You're tanking, you're trying to lose games. Um, you know, if you're an owner, but you're like, hey, why would I pay uh, players more if we're still making some big profits? Why would I put more guys on the payroll when my TV contract and ticket sales are doing me enough right now? And I understand that from a business, but it is my belief that sports teams, if you are an owner, it should not be run like a pure business. It should be run more like, hey, I am owning something that people care nearly and dearly about. I think as a sports owner, a lot of them have responsibilities to the fans to make a, a put out the best product possible. No, not championships every single year like the Nationals right now are a good example. The Nationals have no responsibility to try and win 120 games last year. They just won a World Series and have to retool. They have maybe the best player in baseball right now in Juan Soto. They're not they're not obligated to do it, but like the Pirates should feel some obligation to start uh, you know winning some games. The Orioles should feel some some heat to start winning some baseball games. The Marlins should feel some heat to start winning some baseball games or at least attempting to win some baseball games. I'm with them. Now, will they get all of these things resolved? I don't know. I don't think they will. And, and normally, you know, negotiations sometimes as they work, they can be one-way traffic in favor of ownership. And that is what I'm concerned about because the owners – always have a bit more power. They can always wait out the players a bit longer because they have more money. Uh, there are fewer of them. And so their needs and desires are usually lesser than the you know the current group of players at this point in time. Last thing is, has this happened before? Yes, this is the fourth lockout since, uh, since MLB and union negotiated contracts began in the 60s. There was 73, 76, 90 and then 95, then this one technically is, is a lockout as well. Um, so I would say that I don't think, uh, and he says it here, Dane says this here, that you know it would be a surprise if this lasted long enough to, uh, into the 21 season. So there's a lot to get through, DH stuff included as well, but there is a whole lot they have to come up with. That being said, I think there is some positivity there is some hope that this thing does not run too long. So there's your 
facts about the lockout. If you guys want more, go do some more reading on it. Obviously, we'll have more conversations about it as we get through the offseason. Next piece of information to get to, it's the Nationals reaching a deal with infielder Cesar Hernandez. This comes from Jessica Camarado of MLB.com. She says the Nationals added veteran experience to their infield by agreeing to terms with free agent and former AL Gold Glove winner Cesar Hernandez to a one-year contract. Hernandez is 31, entering his 10th MLB season. He is familiar to the NL East because he spent time, uh, he spent the first seven years of his career with the Philadelphia Phillies. Hernandez played for the White Sox and the uh, Cleveland baseball team. I will call them last year. When the switch hitter bad where the switch hitter batted 232 with 62 RBI, uh, career high 21 homers, 149 games. He also reached uh, 1,000 career hits last year. All right, so this is a guy who spent a lot of his time at second base, and it's somebody who's got a lot of experience. You know, in that middle infield, older guy. I think the big winner here. I know he might lose some playing time to him. But I think the big winner here is Luis Garcia from a learning standpoint. Now, my one concern is, is if Dave Martinez decides decides to make the middle infield strictly, strictly an Alcides Escobar and Cesar Hernandez affair, if you will. I, I think the big thing that people were upset about last year is we saw, a couple years ago, is we saw a lot of Estrubal Cabrera at times where we should have been seeing more of, uh, you know, more Carter Cuban at 30. Should have been getting more of a chance in the last couple of seasons. And that is where, I, I, in my opinion, Dave Martinez ran afoul a bit. I would be very, very, I'm very intrigued to see if he's going to do the same kind of deal right here where he plays way too much Cesar Hernandez and we don't get enough, uh, you know, we don't get enough Luis Garcia because I think we should be getting plenty of, of Luis Garcia this upcoming season. I think it's a guy that we should see a whole lot, a whole heck of a lot of. I think it's a guy at his age, at 21, 22 years old. It's somebody who needs the maximum amount of repetitions possible to grow as a baseball player. But I think Hernandez is a totally viable veteran guy on a one-year contract to have in the middle infield. It seems like the Nationals are going to try to build with guys like this to help the young guys along. Is Cesar Hernandez a building block in any way? No. Is he a long-term solution? At this point, no. If he has a nice season, would you bring him back as a utility infielder on a one- to two-year contract to help you out as you grow this baseball team? Definitely, and that's where I like the move. Guys like this tend to thrive in situations with the Nationals where they've got plenty of repetitions, not a star player, can, can kind of establish themselves, help out the young folks, Folks, there's not going to be a whole lot of worry, uh, you know, about this professionalism of this player uh, and, and, and his effect that he'll have at 31 years old on the locker room. He is dependable. And also, it's a guy who can hit towards the top of the lineup. Now, if he's hitting two in the 230s, maybe you don't go in that direction, but maybe somebody can give you the bottom of the, a bottom of the lineup spark. He is a career 270 hitter. He has got an on-base career of 345 this is somebody, you know, not a, not a huge guy, not a heavy hitter. Obviously, had a nice season with the uh, the 21 home runs total, which was a career high for him. But, you know, this is a guy who's been durable for most of his career. Uh, it's a guy who, you know, I mean, look at the numbers of games played. 2015, 
127, 2016, 155, 2017, 128, 2018, 161, 2019, 161, 2020, 58. Uh, that was in the 60-game season. 2021, 149. This guy who is durable, we know he's tough. Um, last year was a bit of a down year, so the Nationals are trying to buy low on a Cesar Hernandez right now. Um, and so the guys they've gotten, I mean, also this is amazing. Um, Lucius Fox, our guy, also was, was claimed off waivers for the Nationals. Uh, if you're a Batman fan, the name Lucius Fox obviously does sound very familiar. Different guy, pretty clearly, but I would not be shocked if he was named after Lucius Fox. But the acquisitions or reacquisition the Nationals have made this offseason, it is Alcides Escobar, it has been Andrew Stevenson, it has been Lucius Fox, it has been Cesar Hernandez. This is not a big offseason the Nats are having right now. It's a quiet one, but I see the plan. As I mentioned the other day, I encourage you all to be thoughtful about the Nationals' plan currently and their future. They're trying to build something right now. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.